welcome to the Libertarian Podcast with your host, Caesar Aguirre. Hey everybody, Caesar Aguirre here. Been on a long hiatus, I apologize for that. Um, one of the problems with my personality is I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so, you know, I, I want things to be done exactly the way I want them, you know, so I wanted this, like, nice keyed-up intro, um, you know, uh, wanted to clip this, one of my favorite all-time songs, Voodoo Child by Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, wanted to clip it up a little bit to shorten it up, um, wanted to get, you know, get my wife to go out there and, uh, and introduce me and all that stuff, and I just couldn't get all the pieces together. And then on top of that, I was trying to find some, uh, some, I guess, some a place to just to just talk, and uh, it was a little bit difficult. A lot of things came up as well um, going through these last few months, but I realized that you know what, I just need to go out. I just need to put something out there. Um, I know we've gotten a lot of interest. So I want to say thank you for those who are listening. Um, I want to try to bring something out there that's a little bit unique. Libertarian Tex-Mex. Talking about a little bit of libertarian ideas. A little bit of food. And kind of how, you know, my fellow Texans and people in the area uh, view libertarian in their own way. Libertarianism in their own way. There's a lot of principles that I think are worth uh, worth fighting for, worth uh, talking about, and um, one of the big things I want to talk about real quick is the shooting in San Antonio, or southwest, uh, I'm sorry, south southeast of San Antonio, uh, just very tragic situation, um, a dishonor will be discharged, um, veteran came into a church and shot up shot up the church um, new details are coming out right now that he was looking for his mother-in-law she wasn't there and he ended up shooting up the church um, I think this is uh, absolutely very sad and as the details roll out we learn more and more about some common factors that have been listed in some studies on gun violence Um, One of the big ones, um, obviously being uh, people with a violent history or a violent past. Um, They are kind of prone to escalate and somebody gets hurt. Hurts usually. um, Usually it's uh, women that are victims or children. And we see that, we saw that played out. Um, Apparently uh, this person, this gentleman, um, was dishonorably discharged because of domestic violence, because he um, obviously was abusing his wife and his child, and he even caused a fractured skull for his child. And then somehow the Air Force um, let this slip, because currently people who have um, a record of domestic violence are not allowed to purchase guns. Um, And the Air Force somehow did not report this to the FBI, so he was allowed to be dishonorably discharged and go out, stew on his anger, and then purchase uh, his 
done. So, uh, I think one of the reports that are coming out now is that a, a neighbor across the street heard the shooting, um, saw the shooter come out, um, tracked him down, shot him. He was still alive, but then the shooter took his own life. So, I think I thought it was time, um, especially since this podcast is about libertarianism as it relates to Texas in our region, I thought, you know what, I need to say something. Um, it's time to it's time to get back in it. May not be perfect. I'm driving right here. I'm driving to work right now, but said, you know what, let's just do it guerrilla style. Let's just start throwing material out there, and as time moves on, we'll, we'll improve it. So, but I just wanted to say that, you know, gun violence, especially with mass shooting like this, is always going to stir up emotion and politics. Um, they're, they're inseparable. Obviously, we're going to, uh, and it's it's a very it's a very natural reaction to kind of speak from our gut, you know, so to speak. Look, look at what's in front of us, and blame what's in front of us, right? The gun, men, whatever it is. I think we always look at it at surface level, you know. If I take away all the guns, then nobody's ever going to be shot. If, you know, if this person was in prison, he would never hurt anybody, that type of thing. Um, and then on the other side, there's plenty of people who pretend there's no problem, right? Like, hey, you know what? It's no big deal. It happens. That's life. Um, you just gotta, you know, it is what it is, that type of thing. And I don't really like either of these answers, you know. We don't have to lock up the entire world and, pro- and protect everybody from themselves, obviously. But also we can't ignore what's going on. We need to talk about these things. Um, and we have to understand the deeper, the deeper context of what's going on, you know. Um... Not everything is going to be an answer we like. Not everything is going to be an answer we want. And I think we have to look at it honestly and understand the several the several hints of something we could have done, right? I think most openly, most very glaringly, um, you know. The Air Force totally broke their protocol and did not report this to um, to the FBI when they should have. Whether we agree in um, gun bans or not, what we have it's what is we're looking at what is today. We do have limitations. We have. Um, one of the big things is people with a record of domestic violence. People 
with the domestic history of domestic violence. There's a few other people that are on the list. Illegal immigrants, drug offenders, a couple of the people that are not really related to gun violence, but they're on there nonetheless. But we look at people with a record of domestic violence, and we see they're already there, they're already banned. So even then, we're not doing what we're supposed to do, right? And that is a giant problem. You know. At the same time, we have to understand the extraneous variables, right? Like access to assault rifles, access to a certain type of weapon. We look at that and we realize as, as a country that we want those rights and we understand that there's a responsibility to those as well. And we have to make sure as a society that we understand those responsibilities and that we take ownership of the things that happen, right? And I'm not talking just talking about mass shootings. I'm talking about suicide by gun, um, domestic violence that end in a, in a murder. Um, we have to look at that and realize that yes, these, the, the, that having a gun increases the likelihood, right? But there's other factors beneath that that are much deeper. And this is something I wanted to bring up because I don't really have a solution. What I have, though, is information. Um, information that helps us understand the lay of the land. And what we do with that is up to us. What we decide to do in response to it is up to us. And whether we decide not to respond to it is also very telling of us as well. And I think that we do have to take ownership for such a giant freedom that we have that many countries don't. And I'm not, and I'm not saying this means we have to offer up a solution that, talk, that is related to gun bans. It could be something else. It could be something very different. And uh, the reason I say this is because one of the big influences in my thinking on this is a study by the American Psychological Association, the APA. They did a study in 2013 related to gun violence, um, prevention and prediction. And uh, I, I encourage everybody to read it because I think there's some things there that us as libertarians uh, like and some things that we don't like. And I think we have to kind of put our bias aside, our politics aside, and just look at the, the data, look at the science of this before we start making decisions about what we wanna do. And one of the things that I, uh, that I think is very telling on that one is the correlation, the strongest link, the strongest predictor of gun violence is violent behavior. Um, people with a record of 
violence, a history of violence, are very, very more, are much more likely, apologize, are much more likely to commit acts of violence um, on other people, especially if they get away with it. So I see this as one of the strongest preventive measures is understanding who has a violent history and then how do we as a society keep those people from harming others is it a gun ban is it therapy is it prison whatever it is i think we have to understand that this is the strongest factor and i know a lot of people out there are going to say guns are the factor but they're not they're just a variable they're a variable that is not the root cause of it you know so even if we ban all the guns um if we do not do anything about violent behavior, then we are always going to see violence. We're always going to see people die because of it. So really, the variable we should go after, the root cause of this, is violent behavior. Now, people with a violent history obviously are doomed to repeat this. Um, but the other big uh, interesting factor about this study was also the idea that there needs to be more developmental engagement by communities and the nation, meaning that there's uh, basically like psychological checks with people um, early as early as as a childhood, right? As early as early as kindergarten, because a lot of these violent behaviors start young and they build to something later, right? Maybe they're uh, hitting other kids or acting out and then it just perpetuates themselves, right? And then they become the bully in high school and middle school. And then they're abusing their girlfriends in college. And then well, finally they have a kid, they're abusing their kids and it eventually leads to something bad, even bad, even worse happening. So one of the ideas in these, this APA journal is adding stronger improvements to mental health access. And I don't want to use mental health as in people who are quote-unquote crazy, you know, people who are bipolar, people who are schizophrenic, people like these aren't the ones that are causing gun violence, you know. It's literally violent people that are creating violence. It's not crazy people. It's violent people. And I think people have to start realizing that, is that we, as a, as a social science, psychology has narrowed it down to, to a very common single factor, right? Violent behavior. If somebody has a record of violent behavior, we know they're going to act out. So what can we do to prevent them from creating more, more violence? And then on top of that, how do you prevent that from happening before they have a violent record, well, we're going to have to find out who these people are, right? Not just identify them and then point at them, but help them, right? If we are noticing as teachers, as parents, um, as friends, uh, a kid or a friend or somebody being violent, are we taking that step to get help, you know? to understand that violent behavior is really a trained behavior. 
it's not just a sick person. It's a person who's learning a behavior from the very early stages and then receiving reinforcement on that behavior because they get something out of it. So how do we de-escalate that training and improve or change that behavior? I think, to me, this is ultimately going to be the ultimate answer. Um, and it's, and I think the interesting thing about this is it's, it's, it's going to take a lot more effort and a lot more thought for people than just banning guns. So this is where the conflux of libertarianism comes in because on one side we see, hey, we're going to have to develop more psych better psychological measures in schools and in communities. Um, you know, people talking to our children and asking them questions, um, spotting um, violent behavior. But not on. But on top of that, you know, I think most pe most kids lack psychological uh, developmental engagement uh, because the schools are just don't want to spend the money to make sure people don't have. Uh, you know, learning disabilities or behavioral disabilities or academic disabilities. Um, basically, the parents have to ask for it before they even spot it. And I think this is a huge disadvantage in the school system. Um, I think understanding where your kid is at from the get-go um, with psycholog with you know, uh, you know, a, sc a school psychologist and an academic expert, you know, having them in from the beginning to tailor their development, I think is the best thing to do. And I understand it's not for, you can't do this with, you know, thousands of people, but that's when it comes to, can we do something about it? And does it require us to ban something? And if, and if we're saying we don't want to ban something, then we're going to have to look at it on the tail end, on the, on the front end. Okay, we're going to have to do forward work, um, you know, looking at schools, making sure we're not encouraging violent behavior. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, in this uh, study was also kind of the culture of masculinity and then encouraging boys, because it is a, a majority male who act out in this violent behavior, is encouraging this masculine behavior of violence is okay, you know, that being tough means getting tough with other people and using violence and I think one of the things we have to understand as men as well is that we have to really tell our our kids especially our boys that violence is not okay and then uh, that we really have to push that violence is not the answer violence is not okay uh, we're not saying they have to be pacifist but we definitely have to understand that that it's this this is something that grows early on and develops into something even more violent as they get older. So we have to, we have to, as Texans, as a community, and as a society, understand what's really the factor in this these mass shootings, and then how can we spot them? How can we help prevent these things from happening? And then if it's too late, what are we going to do? What can we do? to prevent these things from happening without using the word ban. I think that's really going to be the ultimate libertarian question. Um, so I don't have an answer here, but I think, I think what I as a libertarian am trying to do is 
be objective about the science of these things, right? Science of climate change, science of gun violence. Understand the root cause of them and then go from there. And then have a discussion as a group, have a discussion as a community, as a society to say, what can we do to help the situation? It may not always include a gun ban, right? It may not include imprisoning everybody. Um, it may be something softer, like increasing our developmental, psychological engagement with our kids, which is, you would think, mental health in terms of feeling happy and nonviolent and stuff like that would be something stronger in our society, but it's very, very lacking. And not to say, again, not to say that we want to do some type of social program, doesn't have to be that answer, but we still need an answer for it, right? And I think that's the challenge I bring to my fellow libertarians is, okay, we obviously don't believe in gun bans, we don't believe in giant social services, but here's the problem, and what are our solutions? What are we going to do to develop something as an answer that will combine our ideas of libertarianism, but also help solve the problem. And I think that's a challenge I'm going to bring to everybody right now. I'm not going to uh, espouse on my ideas, but I definitely look at this APA article on gun violence and prevention from 2013, and I read it and I see a lot of develop a lot of help we need on the developmental side in schools. One of the things that I'm a little bit squeamish about is limiting access to people with a violent history. But at the same time, I understand. I understand why it could prevent gun violence. So perhaps currently right now, the people who are listed on uh, gun bans is about eight different criterion. Maybe only two or three are actually related to gun violence. So maybe if we cut down the people who are not related to gun violence and parsed it down to the only people with domestic violent history, um, that in a sense could lean itself towards libertarianism as in we're limiting the amount of power um, the, the gun ban has, but at the same time making what is available there that limited government that is still potent um, and actually doing its job. <laughs> so I don't know, but I want to leave uh, something up uh, to to everybody here. I'm probably going to post some links um, on this podcast, most specifically the APA um, 2013 article on gun prevention and prediction. I think it's one of the most powerful articles I've read, much better than anything written by journalists today. Um, Obviously, journalists are just trying to catch the momentum, um, throw something out there before they even think about these things. This one is very thought out. It's posted out there, and I keep repeating it when people talk about gun violence. Um, Because I think there's a lot of misconception there, and I think there's a very very quick knee-jerk reaction um, on gun bans right away, and I don't think it's going to solve the problem. And at the same time, on the other side, people just say, it is what it is, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. To me, that's ignorant. And I think it just requires a little bit more knowledge to say, we can do something about it. It's just, what do you want to do about it? So anyways, I'm going to leave off with that, but I just want to say thanks for listening. Um, I am going to try to be back here um, and shoot out some more content. Um, Maybe a little bit on the dirtier side where uh, I'm just 
hit and play and go, and uh, and and then as time goes by, I'll clean it up and try to make it a little nicer. What I wanted to try to do eventually too is bring up some interviews with some people in the area, um, local businessmen, uh, people with some good food ideas, see how libertarianism uh, has impacted their lives in terms of free markets um, and limited government, see the pros and cons of it, and uh, get some good answer, on, honesty answers and feedback. So anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank y'all. Um, we'll hear you next time.